Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Good. Well, if you don't know who I am, I'm Kevin Lalonde. I'm on staff here with OSC. And um, Pastor Yu is out of town. He, uh, ever since that grandbaby came around, Miss Heidi has been overspending, so he had to get a little side gig. So he went to New Iberia to make a few dollars to kind of pay for some diapers and kind of stuff like that. I wasn't supposed to share that with y'all, but just letting y'all know in case you're curious. So that's where he is. So can we lift him up, Father? We uh, thank you for Pastor Yu. We thank you for the treasure in that earthen vessel of that man that you sent us, Lord, the uh, gift that he is. And I can't think of a man who is more relational than Eugene Reisner, that uh, the pastor that he has been to me and the friend that he has been to me and the example that he has been. So, Father, I pray that uh, you give him a word for that church there. And, uh, and I pray that this morning, Father, that these people who are here today, that uh, they would hear from you, that it wouldn't be Kevin Lalonde's message, but this would be your heart for your people. So uh, we thank you for what you're going to do today. And everybody said, amen. Well, uh, we've been talking about relationships. Uh, how many of you have been here for week one? Week two? So we're doing pretty good. About one in three people have been coming to church. So we'll see if we can fix that next week. <clears throat> so we're talking about a relationship series. Week one, Pastor you laid down a foundation and he talked about forgiveness. Week two, he came up and he studied up the walls and he said, hey, we're going to have the right people in the right place. Then he called me. He said, man, I got you up this week. So I said, okay, Pastor, you. So we're going to, this week, we're going to wrap those walls in and we're going to start putting a roof on. We're going to put a little sheeting on the roof and see what we can do. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about what is potentially the most consequential relationship in your life. Um, and we're going to get down to the bottom of that at the end of the message, but this is the most consequential relationship in your life. Um, when you think about consequential relationships, you think the first thing, if you're married, you think about your spouse. My bride, Chrissy, is sitting over there, and uh, we have been married for 21 years now. Yeah, 12 of them happy. So uh, it's, it's been, no, it's not that funny. Um, I wasn't saved when we got married 21 years ago. I was a different guy. Uh, I don't know if she was saved or not. She says she was. I don't, I I think she was close, but she says that she was saved. She said she just wasn't progressing. I said, okay, we'll call it that, which means you really help out, but we're not going to talk about it. Um, and so, but either way, we decided to get together and we decided we were going to tie the knot and coming into this marriage we brought a whole lot of different things to the table though we were only raised uh, two miles from each other you got different personalities you got different backgrounds you got separate identities different hobbies you like to shop i like to hunt um, but either way we repeated these vows we got married before god before our family and uh, we signed this marriage license and then we took off and went on this honeymoon to jamaica enjoyed our time there then we get back, and she was hesitant to take on the Lalon name. I was like, no, you are not going to be a Veillon. You are a Lalon. You understand me? You are going to be a bitch. You wanted to do this whole thing, but we're not going to get into that today, baby. I want to keep 12 years of happiness going. 
But somehow after even all of that, we overcame these obstacles and, and we've been married. But it wasn't until about 12 years ago when I gave my life to Christ that I realized that we had just been married, but we hadn't been united. We were married, but only she was really going towards God. Until I gave my life to Christ and started following God, we were only married, but never united. And for you to realize that you can go from being married in the same house to being one and united with the Father, that you can actually live with someone and not be united, but only be married. And I want you to look around the room and realize that just because you come to church here and you're married to this church doesn't mean you're united until everybody knows the Father. So, and whenever, once we figured that out, there's a distinct shift in our relationship and she started behaving. It was so good. I was like, this is the woman I've always wanted, you know? I was, I was always the one. I've always been the behavior in the relationship. It's not that funny. No, I'm serious. <laughs> John is like, give me the shovel, Kevin. Give me the shovel. But every day I have to work to maintain that relationship with the Father. I have to stay in the Word to stay out of the world. And I have to have these conversations with him. It has to go back and forth. I have to listen to him. And then whenever he does speak, I have to turn around and obey. That's that relationship. And then this is the Christy relationship that I have. I have to work on that every day. To walk with the Father and to walk with her. Stay united with her. And I find that the more I talk to the Father, the more prayer life I have, the better that goes. The more actually I get to talk with Christy about it. Did I tell you what God told me today? Last night we're laying down in bed and she's telling me, hey, do, do you know what God's doing in so-and-so's life? Man, I heard they're doing through this. And then, so you, what are you going to talk about in your message tomorrow? And we're going back and we're just having a God, solely a God conversation. Just ain't about shoes or the sales next week. And this is none of that. And she prays for me and I pray for her because that's what godly relationships do. When you're in a united relationship, covenant with one each other you pray for one another just like I do for you and you should do for me and you start thinking about Jesus himself and the life that he had with God the father and this relationship that he yearned for with God throughout his life he sought to demonstrate to the world that he and the father were one that was all he wanted to do when he walked on this earth he was making a decision that every day, everything I say, everything I do, every step that I make, every relationship that I'm in, it's about being one with the Father and proving to the world that. And in John 5, 19, Jesus is talking about how he and the Father are one in nature. They're one in spirit. They're united. And in John 5, 19, he talks about this. He says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. He lived a life in submission to his Father. Everywhere as he went, he did just what the Father wanted him to do. And you start thinking, what if you and I could listen to a conversation between Christ and God? Like if you could peek into a conversation between Christ the Son and God the Father. Well, there is a documentation of that. And he's on his way to the cross from Gethsemane. We get to hear this conversation that we're really not supposed to hear, in my opinion. I don't think 
You're supposed to listen to these kind of intimate conversations. And in fact, if this would have been in Villepatte, this conversation would have been totally in French, totally en français. Like it, your grandparents would talk, you know, if they didn't want you to understand, they would talk in French, you know. And so you'd have to listen. Sometimes I'd hear my name and then Pabon behind it or Ted de or something like that. And I knew it was about me. <clears throat> but this is going to be the most intimate conversation you've ever heard in your whole life that I'm going to introduce you here today. And you almost feel embarrassed listening to it. You're hearing the son, Jesus, pour his heart out to his father. It's a deathbed conversation. He's on his way to the cross, and he stops to talk to God. I was a nurse before I was in ministry, and so I've been in these hospice situations where you walk in and this is their deathbed. And I've heard these conversations between husbands and wives, between fathers and sons. And I've can't imagine if I walked into the room and knocked on the door and I walk in and hear this conversation between a father and a son, I'd surely turn around and walk away. This is not something that we should be hearing. But God saw fit to include it in John chapter 17. And he begins the conversation, Jesus does, by reporting to God the things that he's accomplished that God has asked him to do, that God the Father has asked him to do. And Jesus says, God, he says, listen, Father, he said, I've glorified you. He said, I've manifested your name to, my, to the disciples. I've given the disciples your words. I've prayed for them. He said, I've guarded your disciples, Father. And then in verse 20, he makes a shift. He goes from reporting to the Father to now making a request from the Father. And the, and the request that he makes from the Father, who he actually says it three different times in this prayer. Go back, please, today and read. It's 17. And he makes this request three different times. And he doesn't say it three times because the second and first time God didn't hear. Or Jesus was vague. And he said, let me clarify what I mean. That's not what he's doing. What he's making a request for is his heart. It's his passion for his people and his passion for his church, for his bride, and he begins to pray for you and I today, 2,000 years ago. He sees you sitting here today. And he's making a petition to the Father on our behalf. So if you turn with me, John 17, 21 through 23. God's, Jesus speaking to God. And he says this. He says, Father, he said, I pray that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me. That they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me, love them even as you love me. His whole goal between, for this whole prayer is that you and I may be with one as the Father and Son are one. To not just claim to be married in the same house, but to be united in the Father. To not just attend and say we're married but to be united in the Father and to say we are one. 
And you start to think about how close Jesus and the Father are. I mean, are there any words in the English language? Are there any words in the Hebrew language when this was written? Are there any words in the Greek language that can describe this relationship? And there is none. You can't fathom it with your human minds. If we were, we could be God. But here Jesus is asking that we'd all be one. He's saying, hey, this just is, does not just happen. This is only a supernatural event that happens in the body of Christ. That God could take a motley crew. Say it with me. What are we? Motley crew of people. And make us united. You think, man, that would just be incredible. If we could all just be one in the Father. And you start thinking... But what happens if we don't, like Kevin, what would happen if we don't do this? What's the worst case scenario? And he says, what's the worst case scenario? He says, if you don't, if we don't become one, then the world would never believe that Jesus was sent by the Father. If we don't become one, people outside those doors on I-49 will never believe that Jesus was sent by the Father. So how important is this relationship between you and I? It's the only way the world will believe in Christ. He says this. <clears throat> I called Dr. Scott about this because I wanted to make sure I was not lying. The prophecies, the virgin birth, the death, the resurrection, and every miracle Christ performed aren't the miracles that make the world believe. The miracle of this church coming together and loving one another is the miracle that makes them believe that he was sent from the Father. Because for us to sit here today and say we're in relationship with the Father, but not in relationship with the one sitting next to us is the contradiction that the devil doubles down on. Just what he, he says, listen, he says, if I can just get the, the church to go out and show the world that Jesus was a fluke, I don't have to do it. He, we just make it easy for him. Are you okay with being mostly one with the people in the room? Does, it, does that keep you up at night saying, well, we're mostly one? Because mostly one or partly divided is still two and not one. The world doesn't need another reason not to believe. I saw something that said this. It said, to dwell with the saints we love, oh, that would be glory. But to dwell with the saints that we know, well, that's another story. You know, because it's so hard. But I think here in this house, I think we do an amazing job. When you stop in, I want you to look across this room. There's people from Port Barry in here. There's somebody from Melville, probably. Anybody from Melville? Bayou Current? Well, I got, where are you from? Orneville. That God could put all of these people together, the blacks and the whites and the rich and the poor and everything that goes along with it, to put us all in one room. I think Jesus would look in this house today and say, bravo, job well done. You're doing so good. The people are passing by and be like looking, like there is a God. J.C. Ryle paraphrased verses 21 through 23, and he said this. 
He said, I pray that both these my disciples and those who shall become my disciples may all be of one mind, one doctrine, one opinion, one heart, and one practice, closely united and joined together, even as the Father and I are one and one will. And when the world sees my people, my people here today, not quarreling, not divided, but one in judgment, heart and life, he says this, then the world will begin to believe that the Savior who has such a people must really be a Savior sent from God. So how do we overcome this division that, that, that seems to creep in everywhere as we go? John 17, 26 says this. He says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them as I am in them. And so we say this when we're here today. We say this, loving Jesus whom the loving Father is in, dwells in us. This loving Jesus, whom the loving Father dwells in, is in us. In Ville Platte, I think they'd call that a turducken maybe or something like this. <clears throat> Do we have the love that the Father had for Christ in us? Because if you don't, then you actually misrepresent this great God, the Father. And that should kind of mess with you. Say, man, do I? I? I know you have this love in you where you love your spouse. You love your kids. You love your brother. This is the kind of love that he's talking about where you like you love your mother-in-law. Right? This is like the real kind of love. My children are not uniform. None of them look alike. But we're all united under a Lalon family. My wife likes to say we're Lalons. I'm like, we are Lalons, baby. You have a doctorate, you are a Lalon. Say it. She's not a Lalon. It's a choice that I have to make every day when it's my family. I say, no, we are Lalons and we are united. We are all one under one house. If I see something fighting, I'm like, no, stop it. Stop, Matt, leave your sister alone. Stop it, whatever. And it's my choice to make sure that we are united and in love in the house. And we are all Lalons. But you have to work on it. When you think about my boy Matt over there, Matt and I are very similar. He's like his father in a lot of ways. He's got a soft heart and he just can't help it. He's got his father's DNA. He is of me. His DNA is just in him. You can't undo that. He's tall and good looking. Look at him. You just Matt, it's a burden, son. You just say, I receive it. Just say, I receive it. <laughs> you didn't have a choice, son. I know. You just you didn't ask for it. And Christ talked about that. Christ talked about what it was like being of the Father. And he said in Luke 2, 49, he was talking to Jesus and he was talking to his Father. And he said, why do you seek me? 
Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Our job is to be about the father's business. The father's business was about unity, about bringing people together, a whole motley crew like you and I and bringing us together. And you say, Kevin, it's so hard. You don't understand how hard it is to love everybody in this room. It's really difficult. I have issues with unforgiveness. I have issue with hurt. And I can look at you and say, really? That's it? Christ and the Father are one in each other. And Christ had to understand that he had to be obedient to the cross because the Father sent him there. The Father sent Christ to the cross. And cross... And you get upset with someone because they don't know your name? Oh, he didn't tell me hi when he crossed me in church this morning. That's, that's what it is? Oh, he corrected me. The Father and Christ are one. And he went to the cross for him. You start thinking about Christ and the life that he lived and everything that he said on earth and how bent he was on getting people to heaven and how bent he was on someone coming to know the Father. I just want you to know that I am so much. I am the Father. The Father's in me. And he's talking about heaven, how beautiful it was. I was a mansion full of so many rooms and he just wanted people to know who he was. And in John 17, 24, he gets to the bottom of the whole prayer. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given because you loved me before the foundation of the world. The Son wants us to see Him sitting at the right hand of the Father. He wants us to get to heaven and see the glory, the weightiness of knowing that this Christ who walked on earth was not lying. That the God, the Father, He can look at Him, this proud Son moment of Christ sitting there and say, You see, I told you, it was me. It was me. I was the one on the cross, just like what I told you in everything. I want this world to believe. And if you can believe it here today, this world will believe. And 2,000 years from now, people will be sitting here because we were united. You say, what's the biggest impact you can leave in this world? Everyone wants to know this legacy, these impacts. What am I going to be known for in the world? I want to be known as being generous. I want to build churches. If I served in the nursery, will that leave a huge impact? Will it be the worship team? If I go on mission trips and spread the gospel, if I just travel, if I leave small groups, if I lead freedom groups, it's my children. If I leave behind three godly half-Asian kids, would that do it? 
It's not going to do it. You think back to hurricanes in those times where people in Louisiana hustle, just go from neighborhood to neighborhood and house to house doing everything we can to help each other. You think of days like 9-11, two planes struck towers. You see firemen, policemen, taxi men, welders, pharmacists, teachers rushing into buildings, taking off their hats of whatever they claim to be to save people in these buildings who are nothing like them, who you wouldn't ever hang out with, but you recognize that they're made in God's creation, or a creation of God made in his image. And they rushed into these buildings. And that makes us one momentarily for a day or two a month. And somehow we fall apart again. Jesus didn't say that those good works like that would make the world believe that he came and he was sent by the Father. It's us being united. Pastor Yu says the word for the year is evangelism. He wants everyone to be evangelistic, not from Evangeline Parish. That's different. But according to this verse, Evangelism will never exist if the church doesn't have unity. You will be preaching to a people who will never believe that he was sent by the Father. He'll go, oh, that was a good guy. Man, Jesus was a good dude. I read some of his stuff. He was a rabbi, teacher. How are we supposed to be known? John 13, verse 35, he says this. He says, by this, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if, if you have love for one another. Paul starts writing in Ephesians because they knew this day was coming. They knew the struggle even with the Jews and the Gentiles in the book of Acts, they knew it was going to be tough to get that motley crew together. And you start looking across the room here today, and Paul's writing. He says, man, this is what you, I'm going to give you some tools in your belt to help accomplish this task of this consequential relationship that you need between you and him. And Paul starts to write, and he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, he says, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love and eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Four quick thoughts. The first thing is humility. When you walk through those doors, come in humbly. The old saying is, is, being humble is not thinking less of yourself, but just thinking of yourself less. Putting someone else before you, holding the door, saying, no, I can, I can do this. I'm not more important than this guy. Just holding the door open, buying someone coffee, just saying hello, just acknowledging someone and not keeping to yourself is this humility that says, no, I put you before me. Having patience. When you look to your left and you look to your right, 
you don't know where that person was 10 years ago. You might not even recognize that guy next to you if you saw him 10 years ago and how far he's come. And this group of people here, I know your stories. Be patient with one another. And if you're here today and you think you just arrived, you didn't. You're, you're a product of time. And I know some of you. If you want to know who you were 10 years ago, come talk to me afterwards. We'll have an honest conversation. The third point is love. In 1 Peter, he says this. He says, above all, keep wanting another, uh, loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. What gets in the way between me and you is your sins most of the time. I'm offended by your sins. What keeps you from loving me most of the time is my, is my sins. What keeps the issue between Chrissy and I is my sins. But in a good marriage, there's a lot of grace. There's a lot of patience. And there's a lot of humility that we have to walk in to navigate this. But if you have love in your heart, it's really not that difficult. And if you see the, if you notice the sins in everyone's life, you're probably lacking on the, the love. The fourth thing is maintenance. He says, be eager to maintain the unity. Be eager. I'm, I'm excited. I cannot wait to maintain these relationships. God's put a lot of people in my life, a lot of amazing people. Johnny Darbone's not one of them, but, but I'm going to talk about it. Johnny Darbone is work. I have to call Johnny. I have to maintain Johnny. Johnny's high maintenance. If you own anything... What does it require? Maintenance. Everything you have to do, if you don't maintain it, will fall apart. You hate it because it costs. If you have a tractor, I gotta get a belt, I gotta get a filter, I gotta get the all, I'm hydraulic fluid, I got a line leaking, I got a tire with a hole in it. But you need that tractor in your life. I got the Philip McKinney's in my life that I'm looking to, I'm like, Philip, I'm calling him. Hey man, where are you? What you doing? Let's talk. I don't have to do that. I get to do that. I get to take care of those men in my life. It's a sacrifice I have to make. The relationship that God had with Jesus, what Jesus did for God was a sacrifice. You have to be willing to set your own stuff aside. This humility, this patience, this love. You have to put all of that aside for somebody in the room to maintain so that way this world will believe that this man who walked on this earth with two legs incarnate, covered in this flesh, was sent from the Father. If you're here today and you say, man... I don't, I don't think I'm one with this father like you're talking about. You, you can't be. Jesus would say it this way. He said, I am the truth, I am the way, and I am the life. 
He says, you can't get to the Father except through me. And I'm going to give you this chance today to get to know this Jesus. He's here today. He was here before you got here. He was here the eight and the nine. You can come at any of the services. And it's not a difficult thing to do. It's as easy as A, B, or C. A, admitting that you're a sinner. That it's these sins that have kept you between the Father. B, believe that this Jesus Christ who was sent from the Father to walk on this earth died on a cross for you. And see, confessing him as Savior and say, yes, no, I do believe. If you're here today and you say, man, if I, got, if I left this place and took a left and I got T-boned in the parking lot, where would I go? I can, if you help me today, help you, I can guarantee it with 100%, I can tell you exactly where you're going to go. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I'm going to give you that opportunity. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you say, Kevin, what do I need to do? We're going to say a prayer here in a second. This prayer does not save you. This prayer is a word. It's the faith, condition, and posture of your heart is what does it. If you're here today and you've never said this prayer, you to repeat after me with everyone else in this room. Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And with that, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt. Three days later, he rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. So today, I turn from my sin to be born again. Today, Jesus is my Savior. The Lord is my Father. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. If you said that today, can when you give those guys a big round of applause?